This week on the Canadian Tech Podcast, we've talked to the founders of Go Network. Alexa has officially arrived north of the 49th parallel. Ontario could have mobile IDs a year from now. And Rogers can't code fast enough for the CRTC. That's all next and more on the Canadian Tech Podcast. The Canadian Tech Podcast is sponsored by Olio Digital Labs. Olio are the planners, designers, and developers of the apps used by some of Canada's biggest brands. Find out what Olio can do for you at oleodigitallabs.com. And we're also sponsored by CodeShip, continuous integration and delivery software that lets you ship your apps with confidence. Both CodeShip Basic and CodeShip Pro come with a free plan that grants 100 builds per month on limited projects and unlimited users. Visit CodeShip.com today to find out which CodeShip product is right for you. Welcome to the Canadian Tech Podcast, episode 140, for Sunday, November 19th, 2017, sponsored by Oleo Digital Labs and CodeShip. My name is Stuart Clark. And my name is Derek Silva. Well, Derek, another week has uh, come and gone. Uh, looks like there's a little bit of snow falling here in uh, southwestern Ontario. Rather cold, cold week out there. Yeah, it was really warm yesterday, which I was totally fine with. And then on my way to and from West Lorne, which I will explain later, uh, yeah, it was, uh, well, to West Lorne today it was snowing a bit. Uh, from was fine, but uh, yeah, chilly. And uh, I'm not enjoying it, obviously, especially paired with the darkness, but I shall... Uh, what am I? I'll sh- I shall trudge through. <laughs> you should tr- well now, now you've got that. Now you got that giant pickup. You know, there's no excuse there. You'll be taking half the team. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, so also on the podcast tonight, we have two guests with us tonight. Derek, why don't you go ahead and do the introductions? Yeah, we have the co-founders of Go Network. Uh, they are named Shun Kai and Rashid Khan. Shun, Rashid, welcome to the show. Hi guys, good day to be here. Yeah. Hey guys, it's Kai. Sure, we'll go with Kai. Uh, yeah, thanks a lot for for coming on. It's uh, actually really exciting to to have you guys on for a bunch of reasons. One, you guys are heavy into crypto right now. Uh, you were at the ETH Waterloo Hackathon, and you guys won, right? Yes, we were one of the eight winning teams. So over four hundred uh, people came uh, into the hackathon, and it was very intense, so we had to do uh, the whole uh, project within 36 hours. And the great thing was we were exposed to a lot of uh, elites from the Ethereum Foundation. Nice, yeah, nice. And also, uh, I was really excited to be in that event because there are a lot of talented people there and a lot of creative ideas and so excited and loving. I didn't sleep for two three, two days, I remember. <laughs> and also, I want to add it, yeah. And also, I want to say that our project is the only mobile solution, mobile app that running successfully on the stage, which would give us a lot of credit, I would say, yeah. That's great. Yeah, yeah that is great. Okay. Okay, so we have a couple of questions. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start, and then we'll just maybe alternate or whatever. Yeah. I know Derek Derek is really big into crypto and all this, so he I I fully admit he he knows more about this than than uh, yours truly does. But I always I always like to learn things. So okay, let's briefly describe what Go Network is, what it does. Yeah. So if you look at uh, cryptocurrency, Ethereum is right now the second biggest currency, right? Mm-hmm. And Bitcoin is number one of course, in terms of market cap. And all of these currencies are uh, are used heavily by people uh, for mostly uh, trading right now, right? 
so we are trying to build uh, cryptocurrency to the masses and right now the, the biggest problem with cryptocurrency is scalability so we are developing a mobile first network infrastructure for ethereum blockchain okay so using our technology people will be able to uh, do very fast and cheap transactions on ethereum so uh, we believe that to take uh, uh, cryptocurrencies at a level of visa or other uh, you know highly used uh, platforms we have to make it highly scalable and cheap so that's what we are working on yeah it, it's just now we are building a highway for ethereum and it's mobile first okay so uh, i see you i'm looking at the go network site you guys have your own you have your own token right the go token Okay, so what? So uh, I'm guessing it's an ERC twenty token. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, so um, I mean, I, I've seen a lot of uh, initial coin offerings out there, like or that are coming up, whether it's um, Lend or Bloom and a bunch of other ones. Obviously, they're using the funds generated by the Ether um, contributed in the ICO to to build up their their network. Specifically, what would the Go token be used for? And uh, are you guys going to have an ICO soon? Yeah, so we are planning an ICO. So recently, actually, just last three weeks, our whole uh, ICO sort of went viral, right? A lot of interesting people have joined us as advisors. Okay. And our Telegram community grew for just like 50 people to like 7,000 plus, right? Wow. And our uh, whitelist is uh, over 6,500 people from all over the world. They want to contribute, right? So what GoToken will be used for is to uh, actually uh, open and close state channels. State channel is a technology that we are developing, which is similar to other technologies like Raiden or Plasma that is being developed for Ethereum. But those technologies make uh, blockchain or Ethereum uh, scalable for uh, computers what we're trying to do here is similar stuff but for mobile so every so the way it works is that we do off-chain transactions and every time an off-chain transaction happens we open a state channel right so for example uh, walmart and you could open a state channel and then you can do a, a 1 million transaction between you and walmart and all of that will be very cheap and at the end we just settle it on chain which is the uh, which is ethereum oh, right okay yeah, so every time a state channel opens or closes, there will be a small Go token piece. So uh, so you can imagine that as uh, more and more people start using a technology, there will be a very high demand for Go tokens, right? Right, right. And because because there is a limited and fixed quantity of Go token, which is only 100 million, right? So over time, the value will grow as more people use it. Oh, okay. Got it. So as more, so kind of like Bitcoin, if you want to get in now, you want whether you're mining or you're buying, um, purchasing or or mining a, a Bitcoin now uh, would co cost you more in Canadian or U.S. dollars than it would have yeah. six months ago. So similarly, so the people who are getting in on the ICO, the hope is that their Go tokens do appreciate in value, and if they feel like getting out later, hopefully, if all goes well, they sell. Yeah the 5, 10, 100 Go tokens that they've bought, and they'll actually net out a, a capital gain in, in traditional exactly. investing parlance. Yeah, so, so what we are also doing is uh, we'll be listing our Go token on exchange, right? So initially, we are, we'll be releasing uh, a portion of the Go token to the public uh, in the initial coin offering, 
and that is how it will come into circulation right mm-hmm. so that over time when people want to start using a technology they can just go buy go to them from exchange creating demand okay and i'm just curious mm-hmm. so um so later you know so if if i need to expend um one go token in order to open and close the state channel today um mm-hmm. so are you are you basically saying well i guess how how's that going to work so a few years from yeah, now so is it be, yeah so it's, yeah is right. it going to cost like could it cost me $500 theoretically in a few years or would it cost a, 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 a like a portion of a go token a few years from now instead yeah so it will be a portion okay. and the price will always be based on uh, the transaction cost oh okay right so so it's not it's not that if a lot of people use it then our system becomes uh, too expensive this is what's happening with ethereum actually right now but we will we will uh, pack the value based on the usability so that everyone will still have cheap cost because we are competing with uh, visa and all these other technologies and right. they have high transaction fees our, our transaction fee will be uh, very small compared to those always okay. All right, that makes that makes sense. I just wanted to make sure I got all the questions out there. Um, Stuart, why don't you go ahead? Um, okay, so uh, we have another one here. What keeps you motivated, or like what keeps you going into work every day and staying staying motivated? Yeah, so I think uh, we just love the whole cryptocurrency space right now. Initially, when me and Kai started working on iPhone games. That is when we saw. Basically, we got excited after we saw the Steve Jobs presentation of the iPhone, first iPhone, mm-hmm. right? And then Kai came to me and he said, "Man, look at this this iPhone that Apple is making. This is going to be huge." <laughs> and I was a little bit skeptic, you know. I was like, "Okay, you know, I love my BlackBerry and stuff." But <laughs> I said the same thing. Don't worry. <laughs> but after I actually bought one, and then we saw potential and. Uh, there were some of the app developers that were making millions of dollars just from making up small games that got us excited and we built uh, iPhone right i mean not iPhone we built iPhone app games mm-hmm. and we got very successful with that our, one of our most successful game is called happy park which uh, uh, has over uh, 15 million installs and uh, uh, so uh, the reason why we uh, did all of that is because we saw the potential right like uh, a really small team we were just students back then from university of waterloo and we were able to create a game that the whole world basically installed like so many people from uh, us and canada our game became number one so we saw that potential and that got us excited and we saw a whole mobile revolution uh, in front of us and we experienced it right so with cryptocurrency that's what we are seeing right now the whole thing is actually only 200 billion dollars if you look at the market cap right now and yeah. this was only 100 billion dollars few months ago so we see a huge tectonic shift in the way companies operate in the way blockchain is changing every different part of the thing of the how you know, um, massively disruptive it is right this is uh, like massively exciting for us and this is what you know keeps us going every day yeah, same for me. Uh, I want to add this that for me, it's not more like I want to be also part of that whole ev- evolution and the whole history. I right? just like uh, before we made one of the uh, one, one of the biggest feedback game on the whole I- iOS, you know. Mm-hmm. So this really uh, motivate me to work hard every day. And it's, it's basically the impact that a small team 
of people can have you know over whole industries this is right. just amazing very exciting yeah and also before that when we have a, a great uh, success we didn't uh, it, we didn't even need to invest a lot of money the yeah. whole cost of making that heavy parking cost up less than 20,000 but then we created one of the largest and most popular theme park game on iOS I've got more than 9 to 10 million downloads which is crazy right no one yeah. would expect it same thing as what we're doing right now we didn't even market our ICO we didn't market our uh, Go Networking but people love our idea they talk about it boom then all of a sudden we have 7,000 members in our telegram that motivate me to work hard every day. And also, yeah. I would like to add that the crypto community is very amazing, you know. So when we initially, uh, when they saw our white paper, they, they read our idea, they gave us a lot of feedback on how to update it, change it, make it more attractive, right? right. And then, because if you look at early Bitcoin believers, those guys are highly excited about the change that cryptocurrency is bringing, right? How it's kind of decentralizing power and all of these things. So a lot of people like this actually have joined our uh, community and they're building mass, helping us build massive momentum. I love the energy that these guys bring. Like even when we went to F Waterloo, the whole energy and excitement was just mind blowing. You know, you don't see that stuff in normal hackathons. Yeah, it's definitely been uh, an interesting shift, and it's and it's. You're right. the The market cap for for cryptocurrencies right now is much smaller than normal currency exchange the amount of money that's in gold that sort of thing but it's uh, it's definitely picking up steam um so as you uh like i saw that you guys developed pocket which i think is uh that mobile or started developing pocket at um at uh eth waterloo and uh and as you mentioned a uh, pre-show uh yours was the only one or you you were the only ones who had a mobile app working on stage correct yeah Right. So what's so as you go forward with? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it wasn't. It was a lot of challenges. Yeah. But we figured it out. So <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> so as you are going through the um, uh, the the mobile testing and then onto the the Go Exchange development, like right now, what's what are the biggest challenges or issues you're you're dealing with as you move forward towards your your ICO launch and actually getting this out into the market? Yeah, so initially, uh, in terms of technology, there is a lot of technology that is not there, you know. So even when we were building Pocket, a lot of information, like there was no uh, explanation or description of code, right? So there is just this information uh, or, you know, there is libraries, but they are not well documented because if you look at Ethereum, that has also skyrocketed in very small amount of time, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. the developers have not have enough time to catch up with, all of this and build proper documentation. So there's a lot of hacking. That's why the hackathon, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so it, while we develop even our whole uh, product and everything, there's a lot of stuff for which you need expertise in terms of understanding uh, technologies and also understanding programming and how all of these work. So that's why our engineering background, right, is is actually very uh, uh, very useful here. So I think challenges will be a lot of challenges. For example, there is uh, uh, the technology challenge. Also, you will have to find different use cases, right? So uh, there is a lot of risk and challenges, but that is what makes it so exciting too. Yeah, I think also one of the challenges is that you have to understand user. Um, I mean, otherwise you can create a lot of, I mean, some a lot of crazy app or crazy idea, but no one will use it, right? right. Uh, the good thing about us is that we have so many years of development on mobile 
So we do understand people. We always talk to our user, and that experience gave us a lot of advantages、uh, during this whole thinking. You know, this whole development. And at the end, after people who、uh, uh, after pe- people heard about our presentation, they really loved our idea. So they, a lot of people after the presentation, they kind of say, "Well,、oh, great idea. We really believe in this idea." So that, yeah. Okay. Where do you, where do you folks,、uh, where do you see yourself in, let's say, two years or even five years? Yeah. So what we want to see in terms of not just us but the technology is we want to see cryptocurrency to be used by the average Joe's, not just for trading, right? Uh, but for actual、uh, transactions, actual、uh, use cases in the world in, of cryptocurrencies, right? And we want to be an、uh, uh, integral part of that change. So we want to、uh, help bring、uh, that change, and we want to contribute in any way that we can. So that is what we would love to see、uh, the world to be changed in that way. Excellent, Derek. Yeah, I think we'll.、Uh... I think we've got time for one more question here, and、um, I will go with if if cryptocurrencies weren't the the big thing that they are right now. Let, let's let's pretend Bitcoin never happened, cryptocurrency never happened, Satoshi Nakamoto, whoever they happen to be, never ha- never existed. Would you? What other sort of projects or technologies are are exciting you guys beyond cryptocurrency? And blockchain, I guess. Kai, think we. My phone was ringing. Did they mute us? Okay.、Um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's assume、uh, we lost them temporarily, and、uh, we'll come back to that question later. No big deal. Let's、okay. uh, let's move on with the show, and I think it's my turn for the quick hits. Is that right? It is indeed. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Cool. So、uh, OnePlus,、uh, quite well known these days, they've launched the 5T. It's basically a OnePlus 5 on the inside, but it has、uh, it has the same processor, memory, storage, etc.、Um, even costs the same. The difference is that it has a 1080p AMOLED screen. It has a 18 to 9, aka 2 to 1 ratio,、uh, basically meaning exactly that the it, the screen is two times taller than it is wide, and、um, it's got super thin bezels at the top, bottom, sides, etc. So it's actually a six-inch screen instead of a five and a half-inch screen. Otherwise, it's pretty much the same.、Uh, they do have their own version now of facial recognition using the front-facing selfie camera, so that's supposed to make unlocking the device really, really easy. It's even while it's on a desk or something like that.、Um, apparently, there, according to a rep, there they use a hundred different points on your face.、Um, it's it's only 2D, not 3D, but they do think it'll be difficult to fool with a photo or a video. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, mm-hmm. Roughly seven ninety nine in Canada for the sixty four gigs、uh, storage version, eight ninety nine for one hundred twenty eight gigs of storage. I'm just going based on British pound conversion, so it'll、yep. be around there. And、uh, yeah,、uh, should be available now, and、uh, it'll get Android eight Oreo、uh, sometime in early twenty eighteen. Excellent. 
Well, in news I didn't think I was going to be reporting on this year, maybe next year, <laughs> Amazon has brought Alexa to Canada. Uh, a whole slew of Alexa... I'm sorry if I'm setting off your... Uh, Amazon Voice Services to Canada. So these the Skills Kit, the Voice Service, uh, Prime Music Service is now available here. And the, uh, the devices, the Amazon Echo, Echo Dot, and Echo Plus are all officially available here with a country-optimized Alexa. Apparently, she's got a Canadian accent. I'm not sure entirely what that means because there's no such thing. Because uh, <laughs> that could mean a Newfie accent. A uh, northern Manitoba accent, a Toronto accent, which is incredibly neutral, but that also could mean it's an immigrant because there's a lot of them in Toronto. It, it, I'm not sure what they what they mean by that, but I'd really like to hear it because maybe it means it's uh, like this, don't you know? Like uh, you really should uh, turn that down there, eh? So <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, it's uh, Alexa is here. Echo devices are officially here. And a uh, slew of Alexa skills. So they were clearly working on this in the background. Air Canada, TD Bank, BMO, TELUS, CBC, Weather Network, Ecobee, Global, Chorus, Business News Network, Today's Parent, Global Mail, Sportsnet, Toronto Maple Leafs. I can only imagine what that one will tell you. <laughs> TSN and Manulife. So a whole slew of partners and... Uh, yeah, now you can actually go uh, forth and build a, uh, Amazon Voice Services skills and actually have your neighbors potentially enjoy them. Awesome. Uh, we I watched live the Tesla Semi and new Roadster unveil on Thursday night. And uh, only to find out Friday morning, Loblaw has already pre-ordered 25 uh, all-electric <laughs> semis and Walmart... Hello. Hey guys, uh, I'm doing the the quick hit, so just we'll get back to your question in a sec. Um, and Walmart has also ordered 15 and said 10 of those will be used on Canadian routes uh, as part of their tests. So this comes shortly after Loblaws unveiled their BYD electric truck. BYD is a Chinese company that uh, actually already pumps out twice as twice as much battery capacity, 16 million kilowatt hours or something like that, versus eight. Uh, for Tesla every year, so they're huge. We just don't hear about uh, hear a lot about them here in Canada, and uh, it'll be really exciting. Um, key points on the Tesla Semi, which I should have had here prepared, but let's see if I remember them right. Uh, at gross, at 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 eighty thousand pounds uh, gross volume weight, and you know hundred kilometers an hour or so. There's a five hundred mile range. It'll charge to four hundred mile range in thirty minutes. Tesla is building a solar-powered global network of mega chargers. Forget superchargers, mega chargers, and uh, uh, across the world that'll all be solar-powered. They're guaranteeing a seven cent per kilowatt hour wholesale price on that U.S. Of course, so closer to ten cents here, maybe eleven. And uh, yeah, and it looks really, really cool. Uh, oh, and only okay. seats one in front with two screens in front of you. And apparently that is the safest position for a truck driver to be in. Um, level two, level three autonomy. Uh, so there's a not self-driving, but don't be surprised if self-driving uh, happens soon. Tesla Roadster, super fast, crazy range, like a thousand kilometer range on, on a full tank of gas going on the highway. 
and uh, <laughs> I don't. We don't know the price, of course. Oh, the Tesla Semi will be in production. Well, like will be released 2019. Uh, Elon actually said, if you order now, you'll get it in two years. So it sounds like <laughs> mid to late 2019. And the Tesla Roadster, new Tesla Roadster, convertible, four seater. Has luggage capacity. Uh, the Founders Edition or Founders Series for the first 1,000 pre-orders, a measly $344,000. Oh, not much at all. Shut up and take my money. Um, yeah, if go. I had it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't... I could I could buy my house again for that much money. I um, think so. I had some. Yeah. The uh, Canadian and U.S. Uh, governments, not really, more like militaries, uh, conducted the Cause 5 uh, you, resilience, resiliency experiment between November 15th and 16th. The whole point of this was to um, make sure that they could uh, share information and communication across the border uh, for a situation that happened, let's say, in the middle of Lake Erie, Lake Huron, you know, some sort of cross-border or shared-border situation. Uh, they actually simulated a volcanic eruption and subsequent crater collapse out west, lower mainland of BC and Whatcom County in uh, Washington State. And so there was municipal, provincial, federal, and non-governmental parties all in there sharing sharing data, uh, sharing information. And apparently this all went quite well, but they were testing out uh, a new communication technology here. So uh, seems like it all went well. There's a link to uh, Government of Canada's release about it if you want to know more. And apparently I, linked, I opened up that link twice, I think. No, I didn't. Uh, Talk about TELUS now, I think. Yeah. TELUS Health, they actually have a really big healthcare division. They've partnered yes, they up do. with a company called Tunstall uh, so that Canadians who are using Tunstall's ICP, not Insane Clown Posse, integrated care platform, uh, to do remote monitoring and video conferencing uh, telehealth solutions. So basically, <clears throat> what they're trying to do is help patients with chronic conditions uh, prevent unnecessary hospital admissions. That would be good. Apparently, Canadians or patients spend an average of 5,800 waking hours with chronic conditions each year. That's no fun. Uh, no. With uh, while typically spending less than 10 hours with a healthcare professional. Of course, because you feel like you don't need to go to the hospital or you don't want to bother them or you're uh, you're going to wait a while and so you don't bother going. So the home health monitoring solution will let patients track and upload their vital signs from home. Virtual care teams can remotely monitor your biometrics in real time and intervene if they need to and that sort of thing. So if this all goes well, of course, you will spend less time in a hospital, get better care, and it should cost less. Everybody wins. And, of course, Telus cool. and Tunstall will take home money for their services. Yep. Uh, if you are unbanked, if you just don't want to use a credit card, whatever, but you love Amazon, now you can go to Canada Post, uh, any of uh, 6,000 brick-and-mortar Canada Post locations, and load up Amazon Cash at the post office which you can then use on Amazon's website 
again, without a credit card or a virtual visa or virtual MasterCard or anything like that. Uh, this is geared towards Canadians who are outside the credit system, which apparently is about 10% of the population as of sometime last year, according to TransUnion. Oh, great. A credit company uh, or a credit check score company. I'm sure we can trust them. Um, and so you can add between 15 and $500 in a single transaction, no service fee. Use a company called LoadHub to handle all this. So if you need this, head down to your nearest Canada Post and load up some money and then go spend it on Amazon, I guess. Well, this is, you know, this is really good for people for one reason or another can't use credit cards or yeah. have credit problems. Oh, yeah. If you have credit and problems stuff. and that sort of thing, yeah, yeah. then at least you're not being shut out of the, uh, exactly. Exactly. Of the, the ecosystem. Okay. Last but not least. Oh, I'm so ready for this. The Canadian or the sorry, the Ontario government put out a problem statement as part of their small business innovation challenge, SBIC. No, that was not a racial slur. That was SBIC. <laughs> B. <laughs> um, the uh, problem statement was all around uh, having a common, secure, and user-friendly way for Ontarians to prove who they are. A company from Ottawa called Blue Ink has decided to step up to their plate and is developing something called EID Me. It will let you prove your identity online and face to face. It's going to have, it should come with strong privacy features, but no password will be necessary. It will look to reduce human error, fraud, and identity theft, of course. And as we reach more than 68%, you know, 70% smartphone penetration, obviously this would benefit a large portion of the population. And uh, basically your health card would be on here, your driver's license, or a BY, what's it called? A BYID card, a.k.a. a proof of age without having a driver's license. Right. And you'll be able to register for the service directly from your phone. I think, what is the timeline on this? They're looking for it, uh, a, a pilot appointment a year from now. And uh, hopefully, Buddha, Ganesh, Allah, God willing, this will mm-hmm. work and will actually be accepted in places. And I won't need to carry around my wallet ever again. Because this is really the sort of thing that's that's preventing me from, from leaving it at home most of the time. <laughs> and okay. that does it for the not-so-quick hits today. That's fine. Okay, why don't we go back to the question, Derek, you were asking. Yeah, so I don't know what happened, guys, but let's not worry about it. You're back. Um, Yeah. If, uh, basically, if cryptocurrency didn't exist, actually, it doesn't really matter. What other technologies really excite you guys right now, other than crypto and blockchain? I think something that excites us is... uh, um, the space technology, actually. So oh. what is happening with SpaceX and what uh, Elon Musk is basically doing is something that excites me a lot. So I follow that uh, very closely. Mm-hmm. And I think that is uh, another the next frontier that we have to uh, get to. Because if you look at our history, we landed on the moon. And after that, the whole technology really didn't get anywhere, right? The acceleration was not that fast afterwards, right? Right. So, so I feel like that is something very exciting. Guy, what do you think about you? Me, for me, uh, I would say mobile payment would be very exciting. Although we have something like this right now, but if you look at North America, especially Canada, uh, the whole mobile payment system is still not that amazing. Not a lot of people are using it. You know, mm-hmm. if you look at China, everyone is using mobile payment everywhere. 
and including royalty program as well. So basically, my for, for some of my friend told me he lost his wallet for one month and he didn't even notice it because he never <laughs> need to use his wallet in China at all. You know. So when I look at this and like, wow, if you, we can have something like this in Canada and in North America, that would be amazing. Another another new technology, new things uh, in China is the. Uh, the superstore that no one need to operate. So basically, the whole superstore there's no clerk at all. You wow. walk into the store, you get the stuff you need, and then when you will step out of the store, they will charge your phone right away. You know. Oh, uh, that, Kai, that makes me yeah. so happy. I've been looking forward to that day for such yeah. a long time. Literally, <laughs> I was living in in what year was this? In two thousand three. I was living across the street from the real Canadian superstore on the west end of London, Kitty Corner. Mm-hmm. I could see it from my from my bedroom window, yeah. and I would used to say to my girlfriend at the time, "I'm like, it's it would be so nice if we could just walk in, put all the things we need in the cart, and as I'm leaving, because this one was when with like RFID tags were starting to take off. When I'm leaving, you know, a bunch of scanners just." scan my cart scans my credit card maybe i need to swipe it on the way out or something or like you know tap it on something whatever that's you know but just scan my stuff on the way out that's exactly what i'm what i'm looking for so i'm really happy to, to hear that that the tech is is yeah. being used somewhere and hopefully it'll be perfected and, and come here soon too and i think amazon is working on something like that so this is they all are. artificial intelligence once it comes <laughs> uh, and becomes more mature we'll see it everywhere mm-hmm. yeah yeah, they are. They have got. Uh, they've got that it's employee. Go. Yeah, employee less um, uh, store. Yeah, that they're testing out right now. So, okay. I well, say, I prefer first uh, fix the mobile payment. You know, improve the whole mobile payment uh, te- sure, uh, experience. Sure. Okay. Uh, thanks for that. I'm glad you're back. And uh, now we're going to hear from one of our sponsors, Olio Digital Labs. Olio Digital Labs is one of Canada's most accomplished small market agencies, delivering web apps and mobile apps to businesses across Canada. In an era of persistent connectivity and pervasive mobile devices, it has become more important than ever before for businesses to be everywhere their employees and customers are. That's why Olio provides its clients with the peace of mind that only a highly skilled and experienced team can provide. A team that is big enough to support your needs, but flexible enough to work to your constraints. With a client list spanning from the Middlesex London Health Unit and Ellison Travel and Tours, all the way up to College Pro and the Home Depot, the team at Olio has proven itself to be the planners, designers, and builders of the web and mobile apps used by some of Canada's largest brands. Find out what Olio can do for you by calling 226-785-0420 or visit oleodigitallabs.com to learn more. That's Olio Digital Labs, code that powers every day. And we'd like to thank Olio for continuing to sponsor the Canadian Tech Podcast. Okay, let's get right on to our topics here. Um, our first story today is from Mobile Syrup. And talking about Loblaws again, actually. Uh, Loblaws <laughs> is apparently going to partner with Instacart for grocery delivery service. Now, I know, Derek, this is something you might you might find interesting because I know quite often you go grocery shopping pretty late after the podcast on a Sunday night. Yeah, I'm probably going tonight again. Just to get, <laughs> Actually, I need to go to Walmart and get some pictures printed off, which I am not happy about. But at least it'll be late at night and there'll be very few people in the store. Uh, yeah, I'm all about this. I just... 
uh, I went this morning actually, and I managed to get in and out and home again in just over an hour, which was That's nice. But that is literally time I could have spent doing other things and doing more important things. So if I could, I mean, there's already click and collect, but the West End store doesn't doesn't have it yet. So if I could do this instead, place the order Saturday, deliver it to me Sunday morning, I'm not in a rush. And it might cost me four bucks plus seven and a half percent of the order, but that would have been fifteen bucks this morning. I would have, I probably would have paid that. Yeah, exactly. I think more and more people realize, particularly when it's when it's the same stuff you order over and over again. I know there's a lot of people um, in the states are using this, you know, with Amazon and stuff like that already. Mm-hmm. Amazon, um, fresh, particularly, yeah. Like, yeah, particularly like for dry goods even and stuff like that, because a lot of people will go to a market for their fresh stuff and their meat and stuff like that. But they're getting the same thing. They're getting the two boxes of granola bar, the box, box of cereal, yeah. the tube of toothpaste, stuff like that. And again, if, if it's ways you can save some time, uh, just like anything else, I think it's a, I think it's a fabulous I, I, idea. Um, any Kai, other comments? Kai, Rashid, do you have any, uh, like we, would you use the Instacart delivery from, uh, from a Loblaw store? Uh, yeah, sure. I think uh, those are the we always love to use new technologies, right? So it will be fun uh, to experience that stuff. Cool, cool. Okay, let's move on. Um, our good friends at the CRTC. First of two stories about our good friends at the CRTC. Uh, the first one is they want to implement uh, universal call blocking for blatantly quote blatantly illegitimate numbers. So what's basically um, what they want to do is they want to classify four circumstances that a number can be classified as blatantly illegitimate. Numbers that match the number of, of the person being called. So, yes, I seem to have gotten calls from myself sometimes. I don't answer because I know they're bogus. Mm-hmm. Numbers spoofed to be local calls when they're actually long-distance numbers. And numbers that don't confirm to the established numbering plans like the North American numbering plan and numbers that completely omit caller ID information. Now, this is a little bit different than caller ID block. This is the lack of any caller ID information. Right. So they've put out um, November 16th, they put out a call for comments to do- document. And uh, they're asking, you know, some of the service providers, basically, what do you think um, about this? And uh they're asking for industry working groups to find a way that they can implement this without interfering with actual proper calls, right? Because that yeah. that would be kind of annoying if your if your numbers all your business numbers all of a sudden universally blocked. Uh, Derek, any comments on? Do you think this is a good idea? Yeah. So, oh, it's definitely a good idea. <laughs> this I get <laughs> I get plenty, not plenty, but I do get spam phone calls and text messages and that sort of thing on both of my phones on my clever host. Uh, phone from from Speak Out Wireless and my Google Pixel on Bell. Um, so anything that helps reduce the number of calls I have to ignore right now uh, would be nice. I I'm hesitant on the caller ID thing only because, like I know I know you said oh, this is completely omit, which I don't. But I know that when I call people on my on the Cleverhost phone. It it says like unknown caller, and that's not something I'm trying to do. It's just speak out wireless is not passing on the info or something like that. So as long as it doesn't impact that, something I'm not trying to avoid, uh, totally fine with this. Uh, otherwise, um, 
you know, that might be a problem for me. Or I just leave a voicemail, whatever. But uh, I don't, I don't want people, I don't want my calls being blocked entirely just because Speak Out Wireless is not sending my caller ID information along in that way. Uh, Kai, Rashid, do you guys have any comments on this? I think it uh, it should be based on uh, the actual user, right? So be, let's say if you are very sensitive and you want all the calls that don't have an ID blocked, then you should be able to do it, right? Right. Uh, because sometimes I only want to, uh, because sometimes I actually don't even pick up the phone if I do not have that number stored locally, right? So uh, I think it depends on the users. So they, as long as they give a lot of different uh, power or, you know, different options to them, then it's pretty good. Yeah, I totally agree with what she, I mean, uh, all they need is flexibility, I guess, yeah. and maybe good usability too. Okay. All right, second story on the CRTC. Um, this is one I could rant and rave about, but I'll be nice. Um, the CRTC is weighing an impact. I got my popcorn. I know you got your popcorn. That's all right. I got an early day tomorrow. If I rant and rave, I'll be up half the night. Um, CRTC is weighing impact on a revised wireless code following Roger's request for delay. So uh, the CRTC said December 1st, there was going to be some changes to the wireless code of conduct. Um you know, mainly also, not mainly, but one of the things included was um, the fact that uh, you can now request to have your device unlocked and the industry can't charge you for it. Right. Um, and also um, only uh, the wireless account holder, not the device holder on family and share plans can consent to origin roaming charges unless others on the plan are express, expressly authorized. Um, so apparently, um, Roger says that will have the vast majority of required uh, changes in place, including elimination of, unlock- of its unlocking fees. I'll give you that. But the company added, there are a few areas we need more time to put in place, the technical and billing system changes. Um, you know, I kind of call this bunk right now. Um, you know, it's amazing how fast Rogers can raise their price and make the changes for that. <laughs> uh, right after know. a competitor does. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's amazing how 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 that works. So, um, you know, so the CRTC is asking other carriers what you think, but they're asking Rogers. You know, should you advise your customers how you'll be accredited for amounts charged in excess of the revised code caps until it fully implements the changes? Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the other uh, manufacturers say. Another reason why I'm not a big fan of Rogers. <laughs> Go ahead, Derek. So, I mean, they're asking for trouble here, right? Because it like Rogers is because nobody else. A week and a half to go. uh, A week and a half to go. Yeah, so nobody else seems to be having an issue, right? So it's TELUS, Bell, Videotron, Freedom, um, Amtelecom, right? Like there's lots of other wireless carriers out there, smaller ones. Ice Wireless, I don't hear any complaints from anybody else. Rogers Mm -hmm. has thousands abound upon thousands of of employees surely at least a couple of hundred uh software developers maintaining their billing system surely to goodness they can figure it out and if they can't then i have to wonder well did they delay the implementation and you know they're just finally getting around to it like i i I work at a development agency i know these things take time but they have much bigger teams (laughs) than than we do at Olio, and yet we seem to pull 
amazing magic out of our butts every other week when you know a customer asks asks us for a crazy deadline and nine times out of ten we nail it you know like it's it we seem to be do do be doing fine um and and yet rogers seems to be having an issue with i don't know one or two or or half a dozen of the of the requirements that they're expected to meet i don't get it if if, if everybody else can handle it they should be able to as well right exactly uh gentlemen kai rashid any comments yeah i think i agree with you uh if you look it, it's also about different companies right and uh the revenue or model that they have so sometimes they just you know i've had so much money that they, they really don't uh make everything very streamlined right mm-hmm. because rogers really owns a lot of infrastructure mm-hmm. in canada so um yeah i think they should be able to act fast i agree with you yeah, agree too. Uh, but I don't think they will act fast because that may not be their real interest. Right? You know, is, you I think it's that. something sure, around that. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And our final story of the night. Uh, I know I got an email about this, Derek. I think you did as well. Sure uh, yeah, PayPal Canada. Apparently, uh, they had a request from the CRA, Canada Revenue Agency. Um, they must uh, disclose, disclose, PayPal has to disclose uh, business information. All the uh, they got served a federal federal court order, and they want uh, all the information of Canadians account holders. Now these are business account holders, I believe. Yes, business account. Holders. Um, and they want the total amount, number of payments sent or received between January first, two thousand fourteen, and the end of the last week. Uh, they want them, the CRA wants to make sure that individuals and corporations using PayPal are filing and reporting all their tax obligations. Um, so, yeah, I got an email. This, this, you know, this doesn't, shouldn't really surprise anyone. It is, it is possible. I know the government's been uh, cracking down a little bit more on this sort of stuff. Um, but as I said, this is apparently PayPal Canada says it affects more than 6.4 million users. Uh, and now that figure includes the- personal accounts. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so that's not affected. So if you have a personal account, you should be fine. So you would you would have already got an email already. Um, yeah. So yes, I, I trust you guys. Uh, everyone's uh, been good on doing their taxes. Now in the states, PayPal already does this for any users that has processed over twenty thousand U.S. dollars on the network or made more than two hundred transactions in a given year. Uh, currently, there's no such obligation in Canada, um, but you never know, right? Here? Yeah. Um, last part here from uh, from Max Greenwood, uh, I think really nails it. The problem is going to be <clears throat> reconciling what CRA gets and um, your your existing tax statement. So, like, if you were, if if you have been doing it right and you're claiming everything and you're collecting the tax if you need to uh, and all that. I, I there I think there's still going to be plenty of room for interpretation on whether or not uh you owe CRA more money or less mm-hmm. or nor, or not. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm really curious about um how accurate they're expecting this all to be um and really how much time it's going to take them to trudge through all this. Like yeah. even if it's only a million um, I know that CRA got an extra, f- uh, I think, $5 million over a couple of years to, to target things like this. I hope they use some of that on all 
the recent uh, Paradise Papers and Panama Papers and all that fun yeah, stuff. That's what everyone's. That's what most of the comments you read. That's what people are saying as well. So. Right, because I mean, this is this this has to be chump change compared to what they could potentially find there. But regardless, uh, PayPal's done what they need to do. Uh, I think CRA has the info or will have the info soon yep. that they that they requested. Um, I'm really curious of who CRA, and this is not a tech angle, but of who CRA will actually bother to go after. Like, are they going to say, oh, well, you know, it was less than a thousand bucks that you accepted through PayPal, not worth our time. Um, you know, or is it going to be less than five, less than 10? Or yeah. they're actually going to go after everybody, be like, no, you owe us an extra $30. Pay well, I, I, I think it'll be a little bit like, like when you have businesses with like GST exemptions and stuff like that. Right. You know, there's a certain amount before you need a GST license, there's a certain amount of business. 30,000 bucks. Per year. Right. And, yeah. you know, Frank, fr- frankly, if you're, if you're doing the majority of your business and you're, you know, you're, you're putting tens of thousands through PayPal, you know, as profit to your business as revenue and you're not declaring it to taxes. Well, then, you know, that's that's kind of like just some of these people who have these, you know, tax structures in the Barbados or right. Bermuda and stuff like that. You're not paying your fair share. So, yeah. you know, we're going to have to see what happens. All right. Any other comments? I think that's a good uh, discussion. Uh, and, you know, it's a good uh, kind of um, uh, it should be a wake, a wake up call for entrepreneurs also that they should always, you know, file their taxes properly and think about uh, disclosures. Right. Because even for us, we have a business account with PayPal and, you know, yeah. it's very easy. We just download the CSV files connected with QuickBooks and, you know, all our information is there. So uh, I think this is totally fine. It's just that people should be uh, doing this already. I'm just surprised that a lot of people are not. You know. Yeah. Yep. And I think for the startup, they really have to understand the taxation thing from the beginning because that's how we started. I mean, yeah. We did a lot of research. We make sure that everything was legal and everything was set up properly and filed test properly every year. Even with that ICO, we are consulting with all the major uh, law firms, right? Right. And, and uh, accounting firms who have done other ICOs and we are making sure everything is, you know, according to uh, the law. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yep. And as a startup, you are always very, very, very busy, right? But still, this is really part yeah. of the business. Yeah. You cannot ignore it. No, exactly. Yeah. Unfortunately, no. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> okay. Well, now from the nastiness of, of the tax guy, let's talk about our good friends at CodeShip, Derek. Let's. CodeShip is a SaaS-delivered continuous integration and delivery solution that lets you ship your apps with extreme mother effing confidence. You can choose between CodeShip Basic or CodeShip Pro. Basic is a simple testing and deployment service service with pre-installed CI dependencies that works right out of the box, making the average setup time less than three minutes. Or you can try CodeShip Pro. Pro is a fully customizable CI and delivery service with native Docker support. It is much easier to use than Jenkins or Travis. It makes it easy to test and deploy your microservices. You can push to any registry. It's also perfect if you want to deploy with Kubernetes. And it comes with a convenient local command line tool that allows you to run your builds locally. It helps encrypt your environment variables. That's important. And guarantees 100% parity between your development and your production environments. Also important. Uh, both CodeShip Basic and CodeShip Pro come with a free plan that grants 100 builds per month, unlimited projects, and unlimited users. 
Open source projects are always free on CodeShip. So visit CodeShip.com today or check out CodeShip.com slash features to find out which CodeShip product is the best fit for you. And we'd like to thank CodeShip for their ongoing support of the Canadian Tech Podcast. Okay, let's move on to stuff we like. This is the section where new things we've discovered, whether it's software, hardware, services, whatever. Um, mine this week, I use a service called Grammarly because I'm a, ter- you know, I may I may be a writer, but I'm a terrible speller. And Grammarly is really good. It's also a spell checker. It'll also do punctuation. It will make sure it puts that Oxford comma in. Uh, grammar geeks will be laughing right now. The rest of you won't. That's fine. Um, anyway, they comma. now. Yeah, they now have a keyboard for iOS with Android coming soon, which will do all the stuff that you can do with Grammarly on your desktop. Um, as you're typing in various apps on your phone or your iPad, you can use this keyboard, and it'll auto-correct and uh, offer suggestions. So you can actually look a little bit more smarter than you actually are. It's uh, totally free, and as I said, the Android version's apparently coming out very soon, Derek. So even e- even you can have perfect grammar. I already do. There you go. What do you got? <laughs> All right. It might not be perfect, but I think it, I like to think it's pretty good. It's not bad. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, I've got... What did I write down? I've got... Oh, right. The Remo Plus Door Cam. So this thing's really cool. Um, a lot of the problems I see with trying to buy some sort of outdoor camera or... Um, the video doorbell is often the angle or sometimes the cost or um, just where it's going to be and some of the logistics. This thing, though, I really, really like. So basically, it actually goes over the door like like one of those coat hangers you can buy when you're in college to give yourself some more uh, or university with to give yourself some more mm-hmm. hanging space. So it goes over your front door or well, any door that pushes in when you open it, which makes sense. The camera sticks out. It's got 3D batteries, Wi-Fi, etc., all built in. Motion sensor, two-way talk, night vision. Uh, the it'll last up to a year before you need to replace the batteries. I think that's pretty good. It's two hundred dollars US, and I just I think it's really really nice. And it's and mm-hmm. it's super easy install. Literally buy it, put the batteries in, throw it throw it over the door, hook it up with the app. Get get the Wi-Fi password in there and all and all that. You're done. There's no bolts, no screws. You don't need to put it over your existing bolt, uh, deadbolt lock or replace your um, your uh, doorbell or anything like that. Um, so I really really like uh, the idea and and what they've done with it. There is cloud recording for the last thirty days. Uh, like I said, two two-way uh, audio, 160-degree wide, un- wide-angle view, and uh, and a whole bunch of other cool stuff. So, no, it's not cheap, but uh, but $200 US for this sort of thing, is, I'd say, is a pretty good price. They do have a wireless Wi-Fi video doorbell if you want that. That's called the Remo Bell. There's also the Remo Cam, indoor camera, and a bracket that works with a lot of this stuff. Um, so yeah, these guys seem to be killing it. I hadn't heard about them until I saw this on product hunt. Um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, I might ask for one of these for my birthday. (laughs) We'll see. Depends on whether I I like about this. This is really good for like, you know, for someone with a rental. Yeah. They can't damage the door. So this is, this is ideally. Or, um, like at Olio, we have this perennial thing where people like, 
knock very trepidatiously or trepidatiously on the door. Um, mm-hmm. We're all like, come in. Like just, you know, and so that this, this sort of thing could actually help us remove the awkwardness of knocking on the door, especially once our, um, our Lockatron finally arrives, whenever that is. Oh, okay. So, so you this mean together I, I with don't... the Lockatron. Oh, hey, it's uh, so and so at the door. Yeah, unlock the door. Come on in. Damn. And we'll have Damn. Both. You mean I won't be able to? I won't be able to bar, barge in anymore? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if we're actually going to lock it during the day or not. I don't. I don't think so. Because you know, I come for the coffee and I stay for. <clears throat> I stay for the just to be annoying. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We, I'm that's kidding. what we allow. It's fine. Exactly. All right. Um, let's go. To, let's just go move right on to what are we up to lately? Yeah. I'm still on the full time job hunt. I am refocusing some of my consulting business strengths. I'm going to. Uh, I've decided I'm focusing a lot more on the training side. That's where I seem to have requests for individual and, and group training. So I'm going to. Uh, right. I met with some people, uh, some very smart people, uh, much smarter than myself. That happens a lot, and uh, that was basically confirmed what I was thinking of of doing. So that's where I'm going to go with there. So that's what's that's what's happening here. And uh, yep, got to take the car in for a service next week and all that good expensive stuff. What have you got, Derek? Uh, well, I spent a good portion of the weekend in West Lorne watching my oldest son's uh, hockey team's tournament. And they came in second place today. Well earned. Uh, the, <laughs> the team they lost to was stacked uh, because apparently they're from a town so small that they can't actually put a full novice team together. So some of the kids are definitely older, like they belong in Adam, but they just, they can't. So whatever, you know, they let them in and uh, they destroyed everybody. But, uh, but um, our, my oldest son's team did really, really well. And they won, they beat every other team that was in the tournament. So they, they cool. did well. Uh, otherwise, I've been uh, responding to tickets at Cleverhost, pumping out some proposal to, uh, proposals at Olio. Did pick up a few new clients at Cleverhost recently, so that's been nice. And uh, and tomorrow, I'll actually be in Kitchener, where uh, well near Kai and Rashid, uh, going cool. to an event at Google's community space on. I think it's called Breithaupt Street, some sort of German name. Um, yeah, so uh, so I'll be there tomorrow at uh, around five. Anybody anybody's in the area also going to the event. Come find the bald guy with the glasses. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, I'd love to. I'd love to thank Kai and Rashid for uh, being on the show tonight. We really appreciate you, appreciate you joining joining us, guys. Yeah, thanks a lot. It was a lot of fun to be here, actually. Yep. Same here. My okay. Honor. Excellent. So, for the Canadian Tech Podcast, episode one forty, Sunday, November nineteenth, two thousand seventeen. I'm Stuart Clark. My name is Derek Silva. This is Rashid. And this is Kai. Thank you and be well. <laughs>